Hi everybody, my name is Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Morning, everybody. Great to be with you. My name is Gary. I'm on staff here. And grab your Bible study notes, please. Come back with me uh, close to 10 years ago. I was with Maasai, and we were walking through a village in the Congo together with some other people. And um, it was an afternoon day. It was hot. It was sweltery. I guess every day is hot and sweltery in the Congo. And the beauty and the serenity of the village actually uh, created within me um, uh, an internal struggle. Because I couldn't, um, I couldn't combine what I saw in the joy and the temperament and the generosity of the people I met with what I knew they had just been through in the previous decade or 12 years. Uh, the largest civil war in the history of the planet had taken place. Uh, 5.4 million reported, there's probably more, Congolese had lost their lives. That's more than World War II. And it just happened in one country. And we had been taken through, Doug, you were with me. We had been taken through the different uh, places and seen the graffiti from the soldiers. It was, it was, it was, it made me want to vomit. And yet the joy of the people, um, the resolve of the people was uh, otherworldly. I'll just put it that way. So uh, we're walking this village called Loco and uh, it's the afternoon and I stepped into, we stepped into, I remember this, Doug, a glorious Uh, I call glorious inconvenience. School had just let out, and before I knew it, on this path in Loco, we were surrounded by a sea of children. There's a picture from it. And we couldn't talk, but I could tell their joy. The chatter was just, it was just beautiful. It was a kingdom moment, and um, in a very human way, Doug and, and I just reached out to touch as many children as we could. It was the only way we could connect. We didn't speak the same language. Remember that? And then Mosai turns to me and says, uh, pray for them, Gary. And when the president of a denomination says pray, you pray. (laughs) I took my hat off and began to utter a word, and then it hit me. What am I going to pray? Every American prayer that I would pray in the West won't help these kids. Uh, Somehow, bless them, Lord, seemed a little shallow. So I paused and asked for wisdom, and I believe God spoke to me and said, what would you pray? I had four daughters at the time. What would you pray if you were touching Hannah or Mary Courtney or Elizabeth or Isabella? What kind of urgency would your prayer have? What kind of passion would you approach my throne? How would you pray for them? Pray the same for these children, as if they're your own. I don't remember what I prayed over them, honestly, but I remember my heart being broken. And I would discern later that broken heart was actually God's heart being displayed for these children. That glorious inconvenience on a path in loco uh, was an inciting incident in my life uh, that would alter the course of our life forever. See, I'd known the statistics in the, in the Congo. I, I knew them. But now there were names. 
And now there were faces. Now there were stories behind all of that. And that made all the difference. Now it was personal. Uh, These children in Loco, their joy, their inclusiveness of me was the greatest expression of the kingdom of God had ever seen on planet Earth, ever. Today, we're asking God to break our hearts with a crisis in the world that breaks his, unashamedly. We're bringing it before you because we're in this great series called Love Does. Love's more than a prayer. Love is more than good intentions. Love does. You may have heard there's approximately 153 million children living as orphans in the world today, meaning they've lost one or both parents. That's almost half the population of the United States. And if you're like me, you can hear that statistic and maybe you're moved by the stories you've already heard. But if you're like me, you're tempted and most likely the trajectory of our lives will be by six o'clock tonight, we'll be opening the cupboard or the refrigerator, forgetting that statistic, saying what's for dinner and moving on. Because there's not a name, there's not a face, there's not a story. I want to stop and have us pause. I want to create for us a glorious inconvenience. I want you to meet someone with a real name. I want you to see her face, hear her voice, and more importantly, I want you to hear her story. I think it will encourage you. Watch this and meet Deborah. Congo, Oza Kosunga Eko Kende Naikoi Lokola Oyo. 
attention. Actually going to take our next few remaining minutes and just do like a devotional. We're just going to look at a few passages. And what I want to show you is just a few of the 37 different times that God talks to his people about widows and orphans. 37 different times God speaks to the people of God about what our posture should be towards the orphan. Now I'm a dad of five daughters now. And whenever I have to say something twice, my blood kind of rises when they're not listening. Do you sense the heart of God? His blood isn't rising, but his heart is this. Church, I want you to get this. And if we didn't hear it the first time, he says it the second time. No, I really want you to get this. If we don't get it the second time, up to 37 times, God says, are you listening yet? I want you to get this. And here's what he wants us to get. He realizes orphans quit being orphans when they're brought into the family. And that's exactly why most of us are gathered here spiritually, right? That's my story. I was orphaned spiritually. I was not a child of God. I was a creation of his, an image bearer of his. And it was for me when I was in college that some Christ followers put up with offensive behavior and offensive language and and just terrible stuff on my part, but brought me into the family of God by letting me belong before I believe. And I saw what it was like, and I saw their grace, and I saw their joy. And I thought, wow, I wonder if God is like that and not like the God that I grew up with, understanding. God says that to us. What I've done for you spiritually, by bringing you from being orphaned to being adopted, you know, four times in Scripture, it talks about spiritual adoption. I want you to do that for the orphans in the world. And 153 million orphans is nothing 
when the two billion followers of Christ do what God says 37 times in scripture. Bring him into my family. Love them like I love them. Let them know my heart is for them. So let's look at three passages. You have a lot more in your notes, but page one, here's the first, Psalm 68. Just one of the 37 places. Here's what God says. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Interesting, as God displays himself, he calls himself that. And then it says this, God sets the lonely, where church? Families. Uh, you see that, I, I, you know, 17 years as a youth pastor, I saw that live down in this church. We're the lonely in our city, on the high school campuses and middle school campuses. The tightest family they had was their family that met on Wednesday nights and Sundays and then at their houses on Fridays and Saturdays. The family of God. See, God looks at our world today with 153 million orphans. He hears their cries. And I got to tell you, it moves heaven. It moves heaven. And the dialogue of heaven is about a lot of things, but you got to believe it's also about that 16-year-old girl who's on the street selling herself so she can have something to eat. You don't think heaven's talking about her? with love and compassion? Or it's about that four-month-old boy dropped off at the Sabuli Center because a parent has died and no one can care for it. And there's just hope that Mama Sabuli's heart, who's here, is a little bit larger than 100 and can take in one more child. You don't think heaven's talking about that? Or that baby in utero who's endangered. You don't think heaven is talking about that baby? Wanting it to have a healthy, safe, biblically prosperous life? Absolutely. Orphans, I'll say it again, stop being orphans when they become sons and daughters. And here's my question. What if some of us are God's answer to the dialogue of heaven? What if God is saying to you and me, I am a defender of the fatherless. I care about the plight of the widow. Church, go. Go. Be my hands and feet. That's what this next passage says. How is God going to be the defender and the, the father, the fatherless defender of widows? Go to Psalm 82. Look at this. This is a command. This isn't a suggestion. God isn't saying if it feels good, do this. He says, church, do this. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. In other words, heaven's dialogue comes to earth through us so that we become the hands and feet of Jesus. This is all even more powerful when you think about uh, the backdrop of this in the Old Testament. The gods, small g, gods that were worshipped, were all about two classes of people. Um, they were about the powerful, the kings, the warriors, and they were about the wealthy and the beautiful. People like me living in Old Testament times in the day that weren't following uh, Yahweh, we were just bit players in the background. And God only cared about the wealthy or the powerful. Enter the God of the Bible who writes his word and says over 37 times and displays it in scripture I'm about the vulnerable. I'm going to turn that on its head. 
and all those small G gods that are prevalent that you worship, I'm so different than them. That's why he starts by saying to Israel, the smallest nation, the weakest, I'm going to choose you to display my power to the world. And thousands of years later, here we are because of that small, weak tribe called Israel. That's why when Jesus was born, the first people to hear the good news that God came to earth, it wasn't in Rome in the Caesar. It was in the hills of Bethlehem to the lowest of the low, the shepherds the day laborers of the day that everyone else despised. God says, I'm coming to you. You get in on it first because that's the kind of God I am. I care about people on the margins, not just the powerful. Do you see God's heart being displayed in scripture? We won't go through all 37, but I want to show you uh, around the 36th time God says it. Uh, Turn to page two in your notes. It's in the New Testament, and it's this book called James. Here's what we know about James. James is the brother of Jesus, the earthly, you know, Jesus had brothers and and sisters, the earthly brother of Jesus. Uh, James, uh, late in his life, became a follower of Jesus. We have a story of Jesus' brothers and sisters, uh, two actually, in in the Gospels, and they didn't believe in Jesus. They, They actually came to get Jesus publicly and say, come back, you're shaming the family name. They tried to set Jesus up to get crucified in another story we have. They didn't like Jesus, but somewhere after the resurrection, James became a follower of Jesus, okay? Now, when you live with your brother or your sister, and then they're the Messiah, like, you see everything, right? It's one of the proofs I know Jesus was real. James followed him, right? Um, He also became a pastor, the pastor of the first church in the Bible, the church in Jerusalem. James pastored it. And uh, he was telling that church how to live. It was his Love Does series, the book of James. Uh, It's called the Proverbs of the New Testament because there's so many commands. Do this, do this, do this, because love does. And he says right at the start, this is what he says, James 1, 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless. Uh, In that day, Jerusalem was very religious. They worshiped Yahweh. And James says, you want pure religion? How many of us want that, by the way? According to God's standard, he says, this is what true religion is. Are you on the edge of your seats yet? (laughs) Look after orphans and widows. What? James, I thought religion that God accepts as pure and flawless is church attendance. Yeah, that's, that's all good. But if you're not living it Monday to Friday, if you're not doing love Monday to Friday, that's worthless. What good is that? Wait, I thought it was Bible knowledge. Yeah, that's good. But it's not good if it doesn't translate into Monday to Friday or Saturday. Religion that God accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows. Now look at the next phrase. In their what? You know what that word means? Uh, To be buried under the weight of. Literally it means to squash. In other words, in Jerusalem, in James' day, that's the plight of the orphaned and the widowed. Because of circumstances, because of a lack of income, because of a social ostracization, they were being squashed. Now, here's what we know of James, track with me. Um, We have two stories from Jesus' early life. Uh, We have the birth narrative and and the dedication. That's one story, Joseph was in that story, uh, Jesus' earthly father. We have Jesus at 12 being presented to the temple. Joseph was there as well. 
But then we lose track of Joseph, and most commentators say Joseph died. So James and Jesus grew up as orphans. Mary was a widow. So James is talking firsthand here. It's as if he's saying, this was my reality. And we lived in the community of faith. And I don't know if he had a good experience or a bad experience. Is he speaking from pain? Certainly he is. But is he also speaking from gratitude for how the community of faith came around Mary and all of her kids? I don't know. But he says this, here's what I know. Church, look after him. Look after him. That word look after, this wasn't written in English. It means, uh, and it's used mostly of God. That's important. That he, the way he pursues us for the distinct purpose to help strengthen and encourage. Did you catch that? It's used of God. He looks after us to help strengthen and encourage. So think with me for a minute. Do a prayer audit. What are you praying for yourself lately? What are you banking on when it comes to God's character towards you? What are you asking God for? How many of us prayed already today? Bless me. God loves to answer that prayer. I'm not down on that at all. What was on the prayer cards that you turned in? God, heal this wound. God, someone's hurting. God, someone has cancer. We want God to look after us. God is saying this. There are so many people in this world because of sin, they feel completely alone. Would you just do for them what you're asking me to do for you? Would you please take that prayer that you're banking on my character for and would you be that for somebody who can't pay you back in return? Enter the world of the orphan. So, what we're trying to do with the race and with other things is to create a glorious inconvenience. I've had in my notes, I can't take you to a village in the Congo for you to see those faces, but we have these virtual, World Vision showed up with these virtual reality glasses where you can enter the trail and enter the village and see for yourself what that's like in the Congo. And just pause and ask God, God, what is your heart over this? I want every single one of us, I'm just asking you to do this, take five to 10 to 30 minutes, we'll even buy you lunch and endure the cold weather and the drizzle out there and the mist that's coming down and pick up one of those packets because there's a name and a face and a story behind that packet and just pray for that name. Is it too, I don't mean this in a guilty way, but is it too inconvenient for you to pause five minutes and do that? And then there's other booths. There you'll see the Malawi Children's Mission and what God's doing in Malawi, amazing things going on in the Sabuli Center and the university that's going on there. There's, you'll just see a, our two mission outposts in Africa, what God's doing over there. Please, please stop. And for some of you, many of us, if not all of us, can take that packet and for 40 bucks a month, we can say, this kid will be sponsored by me. I'm like, I can't adopt them, but I can adopt their basic needs. Get that? Uh, you have to pay for school in Malawi and in the Congo. You have to pay to go to grammar school. 
There's a social ostracization uh, for uh, orphans. And thanks to the work of the Sabuli Center uh, and uh, MCM, Malawi Children's Ministry, uh, we're seeing the people on the edges of the culture brought in and educated and blessed. There's health care that 40 bucks goes to and food. And most importantly, they're taught about Jesus. It's, it's unbelievable. We can all do something. And for me, 40 bucks is half a month's lattes. Actually, it's cappuccino for me. Is that an inconvenience I'm willing to bear? I texted my wife coming in here, I'm like, because we talked about this beforehand, I'm like, I want to make sure you got and sponsored a kid, and she texted back, sponsored two. <laughs> there go my lattes for the month, <laughs> or cappuccinos. We can do this, church. I'm only asking that you go look at a face and let God do what he does. And then, if we're going to live into our vision around here, to empower the generations, uh, to bring the hope of Christ one home at a time, I'm asking when you live and as you go through your day, be on the lookout for people on the margins, on your street. Let it be known that on your street, no kid is lonely. On your street. They all have names and faces and put up with some offensive behavior and offensive language and adopt their identity by just speaking to them, speaking blessing over them. You can't adopt them. Adopt their identity and let it be different so they know something different happens out of the life and mouth and heart of that person. Amen? So we're going to wrap up with a song, and then we're going to uh, break and go be the church. And I'm going to ask that when you break, you go to the tables and have lunch on us and let God stir your hearts. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for your heart. 37 times, wow. I love the heart of people that I'm surrounded with here. Uh, they're yes, Lord, they're yielded. And so God, we give ourselves to you and ask that we would do what you've told us to do. Care, love, act, sacrifice. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We believe you're here for a reason, and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for We Are PCC.